welcome to Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of all the other people at the table. I am Dungeon Master Mitch. And I'm Dungeon Master Chris. And we want to welcome you to our first ever podcast of the Dungeon Master's Block. Uh, Chris, you want to give uh, everybody listening, which is probably uh, three people, uh, two maybe uh, first-time Dungeon Masters and uh, your uh, girlfriend out there, (laughs) Uh, just uh, you want to say hi to your girlfriend maybe? Yeah, hey. Um, (laughs) Yes, we both, actually I'm married and Chris actually has a girlfriend, amazing. (laughs) Uh, Not too many uh, surprises there, because we're good-looking guys. Um, But Chris, you want to give us a a little bit of a breakdown of why we are doing this podcast? Yeah, so... We we kind of brought it up a little while ago, at least Mitch did, um, how he wanted to do some sort of, of podcast while he was doing one of his campaigns a couple of months ago. And uh, I recently started DMing myself. I played for a while, and I recently decided to start DMing myself. And I realized, um, as I was looking through for podcasts on, on things to be able to help me start out well DMing, that there wasn't really anything that was out there, or people had done it and then stopped and were just very sporadic with what they were doing. And there wasn't anything really good and tangible that I could take and use. Um, and so that was kind of where um, I got this idea and alongside with Mitch where we wanted to offer something that was specifically for DMs uh, to be able to hear about different rules and different things that we were doing and how we create things and, and go through different things that we do um, in the Dungeon Master world. So I think that's a lot of... And we'll, we'll cover various different things throughout all of the shows, but I think for the most part that was... That was kind of our big idea. And not only for people who are starting out and this is their first time or maybe second time uh, being a dungeon master, but we hope to offer um, out uh, just great ideas uh, for people who have done it for even uh, <laughs> a very long stretch of time. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's this aspect of um, not everybody, everybody is going to come up with different ideas and we hope to bring to the table some um, creative ideas that we come up with, that we work out together, um, and uh, also we could have you guys out there listening, sending us ideas um, yeah. to share on the show, um, but that's kind of one of our hopes. We kind of hope this to be a place where we can uh, spread some good ideas so you can use them in uh, your campaigns. Hopefully uh, your players aren't listening as well, so they go, <laughs> hey, you got that from the Dungeon Master's block. But, you know, we, we hope that this is a place um, where ideas can flourish for the yeah, Dungeon Masters sure. out there. So, Chris, um, as we said, last week we both started up um, a new campaign for both of us. Um, now, this actually was your first time ever uh, being the dungeon master, sitting on um, the dungeon master side of the table, and so we kind of already discussed and talked about stuff, and uh, you've told me, yeah, it's it's really different. But uh, why don't you kind of give us uh, your synopsis of how that how that first time go? What were some of the the highlights? Or what were some of the lowlights of that um, first time being the dungeon master? Yeah, uh, it was it was awesome. I really really enjoyed it. I was so nervous. When I first got here the first time, so I was like, I was like kind of, I, you probably noticed this, but I was like pushing it later and later. I was like, ah, I'm not quite ready yet. I'm not quite ready yet. Like I just, I pushed it back probably what, like 20 minutes or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. I was like, just pushing it back. I'm like, I'm trying to work myself up to it, but it was, it was so much fun. Like I had, uh, your cat just attacked me, <laughs> but yeah, so I had, I had a ton of fun doing it. Um, I think one of the, one of the funnest things that I had, and it's not something that you can really plan for was the on the fly stuff that I had to come up with. Like the improv. Yeah. The improv stuff. I loved that. Like, and I, I always knew that I was kind of good at that, but I wasn't expecting, like I planned out so much like for the first night and there was still stuff that I had to improv. And so it was like, um, I, I really, really loved that side of it. Like coming up with NPCs on the fly, like people at inns and bars and stuff like that who, you know, I didn't plan for. Like we had one lady named with a, was it Bertha, right? Bertha, yeah. yeah. Bertha's buns, like Bertha's buns. Yeah, yeah. we ended up coming bakery. up bakery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ended up coming up with her, and there was like a an apothecary guy that I had to come up with, and I was like, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, to be, that was probably my highlight of everything was. And that's and that's something you're never ever. And we don't want to scare anybody before they DM for the first time, but that's something to expect. That's something you're never gonna get away from as 
a dungeon master. Um, players always love to throw you um, for a loop. They like wanna they wanna catch you off guard. They wanna see how you deal under pressure. Um, and so they're gonna they're gonna you know I, I've told you when you were prepping. Uh, don't focus too much on naming every single character. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't have all the ten. Uh, the 20 towns guards in this small town have names. Like, you're going to over-prepare, you're going to, like, want to shoot yourself later because you've spent so many hours prepping for all these names, and then what happens? Nobody ever asks you what a character's name is. But then as soon as you don't have a character's name written down, what happens? The players, all of a sudden, they want to know their name. They want to know their backstory. They want to know what their family is like. They want to know everything about them. It's really annoying sometimes. Players can really drive you crazy, but so like that's something you need to expect from DM. You need to expect to have some sort of um, time where you're going to have to improv. You're going to have to pull something out of your butt. Um, and I think it's okay to say, "All right, guys, give me a minute. I gotta, I gotta take a minute. I gotta like think of something." Especially in situations where they've thrown it's not just a name, but they've come up with a whole screwy plan of, oh, they were, they were supposed to just go over here and open the door, and then they would get it. But instead, they want to go around the building, they want to go through mm-hmm. the window, and they want to do all this crazy stuff, Like, and it's like, you have to plan for that on the spot. And it's it can be really fun. Um, some people are really talented at it, some people are, are not so, but that's not something to sh- make you shy away from... DMing. Um, so, was there anything, like as far as that, that was really, really difficult? Maybe something that helped you plan for that? Uh, I think. I mean, we ended up in the same place that I wanted to end up with the campaign that night. Like this, this we ended up at the same place, meeting the same guy that I wanted us to meet at the end. Um, but I know you guys like made a really big deal about the old woman that that came up. Like there was an old woman who came up in my campaign that said something to our friend Austin. And he was, like, infatuated with this lady. And he's like, what's her name? I was like, uh, well, I didn't plan for... And you guys went on this whole, like, witch hunt. The whole rest of the campaign, like, in, trying in to find... In fact, it really was a witch hunt because we, from that point on, at this point in the campaign, we think she's a witch. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't want to know about your story. Don't give me anything... Yeah. Don't give anything away because I'm playing in it. But so we were pretty much supposed to get get that woman's advice or whatever she told us, which... Most of the party wasn't even there for it. Only one person was there for it. We were supposed to hear it, and then that woman was done. That was pretty much the case. And now the whole entire story that we've played, the whole first campaign, the first time we played in this campaign, our entire time, we're out going to different towns, we're searching towns, we're talking to the lord of a a certain town because we need to find this witch. Because she has bewitched our fathers. It's it's become the focus of the game. So, So how did you... How'd you deal with that? Uh, that was not the plan of the first night at all. <laughs> at, like, seriously, it wasn't. Um, but, like, as I was thinking, like, we talked beforehand about how, like, the story can change based on, like, what people do. And you guys were like, yeah, we really, like, we have to find this woman. Like, she's she's the worst. And I was like, yeah. I was like, you do need to find. That was a really good twist on you guys' part. I like it. And so, I, like, as you guys were playing, and, like, a lot of times during the combats is, like, when I was doing a lot of the thinking of the story... Like, I found out that that was the best time for me to think about, because I'm just simply, like, moving the pieces around, like, the little miniatures that we have. And uh, the whole time, like, you probably saw me, I was, like, over here, like, typing on my computer, like, figuring (laughs) things out. And you guys are like, I hit him for 12 points. I was like, cool, all right, keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to, you know, keep working on my story. Um, Because I thought that was was a really neat part of the story that that I hadn't thought about. Like, I simply had her in there as, like, this is going to be a woman who comes in, you've never seen her before, she says something... And then she's gone. And Austin went on this whole, like, huge, like, witch hunt. He has this whole story about this character now and, like, um, has a name for her. Um, she she developed a weird birthmark on her right, <laughs> yeah. n- on her neck on the right side. Oh, she's got a mole it with three hairs on it. keeps getting bigger every yeah. single time he describes Yeah, it's eventually it. going to take up her whole face. <laughs> like, yeah. But I don't know, a mole with three hairs on it. That's yep, he's been very specific. Yeah, yep, three hairs. That's the thing that he does every single time. As if, as if somebody just, who you're describing it to is going to be like, oh yeah, the yeah, woman with that. the mole with the three yeah. hairs on it. Oh yeah, that's right. I know someone with two. That's yeah. probably not Ooh, the same person. Big birthmark, <laughs> mole with two hairs. No, it's not. nah, not the same person. 
But yeah, I thought that was that was probably my favorite thing that I had to do um, the first night was pretty much alter the whole like layout of the campaign for the future. Like it's still going to end up where I wanted it to, but it's just adding that that next element in that's going to make it that much better because that's what you guys focused on, and it was like I can add that in there to make it something that you guys can have fun with because you like. It seemed like everybody was pretty infatuated with finding this woman. Like it was, it was a pretty. I mean, you guys, you guys spent basically all of your time trying to find this. Like you went to different inns, and you went. Like Caleb was like paying people to keep watch and stuff like that. Like he, we went to the we went to the nice inns. We went to the shady yeah, inns. Yeah, we had all these elaborate plans to find this woman who you did not expect to come back <laughs> yeah, in this campaign. Yeah, yeah. And now, now don't tell me. But no, now I think all of us are wondering. Is this woman coming back? Are we going to beat her again? She'll, she'll be back. <laughs> nice. She'll be back. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Good I'm not going to tell you anything more than that, but it you'll, is, you'll meet her. It is okay. funny because when it comes to improv, what I've found is you make all these NPCs and you come up with uh, these NPCs that you want them to be the greatest NPCs of all time. You want our characters to have um, like these relationships with them. And as a DM, you're like, oh, this guy's sweet. I want them all to know this character and love this character. And the thing that I found out, like, while I've been DMing, is it's those characters that you have to pull out of your butt last second. Those are the ones that really eventually end up sticking out in people's yeah. mind. Um, one of uh, uh, one of the greatest characters of all time in, in my campaigns were was Stomp, the mm-hmm. goblin. Uh, and Stomp. Uh, every, everybody, we always say, everybody loves Stomp. Um, and Stomp was this goblin who was being sold into slavery, and, um, well, he was in slavery, and he, they were, these merchants were trying to sell Stomp off, and this kobold, and I had had this, this, uh, plan that you guys were going to get this kobold, I don't even remember what the kobold's <laughs> name was, but he was going to be the NPC I wanted you guys to have, and this Stomp character, um, didn't have the name for him at the time, he didn't talk, he was like, Whatever, he's not stupid, but he doesn't, he's, he's completely does not talk. He just yeah. makes sounds and such. Um, and so you, you, the, your, the group, uh, freed the slavers, um, or free, not freed the slavers, freed the slaves, <laughs> killed the slavers, um, because it was a time of oppression in the land. And they freed these slaves and they let the kobold go. Um, see you later, kobold. <laughs> and the goblin, uh, just kind of stuck with them. And they, like, one of the characters turns, what's your name? And so I'm like, I don't have a name for this guy. And so I just had him, him step his feet, stamp his feet on the ground. And they're like, stop, your name is stop. (laughs) And this goblin became, like, it became this huge character in the campaign. They kept him with them. They eventually got a house. Well, they had, like, a a tower on the house. And they made it his, his kingdom. They bought him fake Jewels, fake (laughs) crown, fake throne. They made him into King Stomp, Goblin King of Orenthal, the city in which they were in. And to this day, everybody's like, are you bringing Stomp back for a campaign? I tell him, he's not immortal, guys. I can't keep bringing him back. Like, he was in that campaign. But, yeah, it's it's funny how the the NPCs you pull out of your butt on the spot, they're the ones that make the deepest impact a lot of the time. Well, didn't, I could just totally be imagining this, but didn't he die at one point in time? He and did, then, and then you guys it's, like resurrected him from the that dead. That is actually too. one of the greatest <laughs> stories. So we had a paladin in our group, and we always joke, everybody loves Stomp, but this one character, right. the, the player loves Stomp. Yeah, this as a character, yeah. Balfaris hated Stomp, and so we were in this dungeon in which these tiles would flip, and it was a puzzle. And if you got the puzzle wrong, magic missiles would come out of the wall and hit you as you stepped on the wrong tiles. So, of course, this was the early days of Stomp. Uh, one of our characters, Raxus, who was Stomp's best buddy, quotation marks, um, told Stomp, go stand there, go stand there. And so Stomp kept, kept getting hit by these uh, magic missiles. Well, while the characters were all turned away, Stomp went down. Balfurst goes up to him, the paladin, stabs him through as he's down. Um, looking back, we're all like, yeah, that probably wasn't the paladin thing to do. But <laughs> yeah. kills, kills Stomp dead in this dungeon. Um, the rest of the group is completely pissed, completely mad. They bring Stomp out. They have like this soapbox. I don't remember what it was for, but they put Stomp in. They put a blanket over him. They bury him. And about a, a month later, like real time, month later of like going down the line, they return to him 
resurrect him. They find a worm ate his eye out, yeah, so he yeah, had an eye was. patch. So I get, kept getting more BA, man. It was awesome. But he, uh, they resurrected him for for 5,000 gold. Um, like, that's how much they love this character. And from that point on, he stayed alive. But there, was a, there was one time that we had a scare, because they took in another goblin, and uh, this the bad boss in the game killed the other goblin. They thought it was Stomp, and they were all pretty pissed at me until I revealed that it was the other guy. But, yeah, yeah it was, uh, Stomp was a NPC that got just pulled right out of the butt, and he became gold, man. Yeah. So. That's the thing, like, all that to say, some of the best NPCs are made up on the spot. Yep, that's yeah, it's, completely true. Yep, it was a ton of fun doing that. So when we were talking about, um, going back to your first time DMing, when we were talking about uh, things that you liked, things that you disliked, you brought up something, and you said to me, Mitch, like, you've DM'd for a while now. This is something that I know you always have a pet peeve about, and it drives you crazy. And you said, you know, I kind of understand it, but uh, you, sitting in that DM's chair, you you said, I finally really, really get it. So why don't you, why don't you share exactly <laughs> what that was. You're the low light, probably, of the night for you. Yeah, um, so the, I think the low light for me was... Uh, looking out around the table at different times through the night, and we'll play for probably four hours or five hours at a time, and towards, like, later in the night, people will start pulling out their phones and looking down, like, at the, at, like, the ground and having their phone out, and it's really kind of frustrating. Like, like when I was on the player side of the table, I noticed that I was like, this is his rule, like, I'll respect that, like, I will send a quick text and put it back. But even then, I saw people doing that, and it was still just like, wow, this is really, like, it's distracting me, because people, like, they don't think they're being, like, rude, but then they'll ask the same question, like, oh, what what did you guys just talk about? I'm like, come on, like, if you didn't have your cell phone out, you totally would have heard this, you know, you would have paid attention. Now, I'm fine, like, if it's looking up something for your character, like, we've talked about that, too, like, if you're looking something up for your character, or if it's D&D related to what we're doing at the time... I'm fine with it, but you can tell usually if somebody's on their phone for a while, you can tell they're not looking for something D&D related towards their character, like a spell or something like that. Like you can tell like they're scrolling through Facebook or sending a text message to whoever, you know, and and that got kind of frustrating for me after a while. Like I, I, as a DM, I thought about doing like, oh yeah, I can totally lie about roles and make this way way worse for you the rest of the night. <laughs> Revenge time. <laughs> but no, I didn't actually do that. I yeah, we're not condoning that. In any no, way, no, 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 not at all, not at all. <laughs> but that uh, thought did cross my mind, and I was like, nah, that would be a really jerk move of me to do. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was something that, as a first time DMing, that I was like, I can totally see why that's annoying. You know, and, and the next time that I I was here, like, I think the only time that I was really on my phone was when we got sent out of the room one time for a separate part. You know, like, I think that was the only time when I was on my phone was when I literally wasn't in the room, you know. Um, well, because as a DM, you know, we're there, we're there to play too, we're there to have fun, but there is this, this reality that a good DM spends way more time working than any of his players, probably than than all of his players combined. Mm-hmm. Um, you can spend a lot of work building a character, but when you have to like build a town, when you have to build a campaign, when you have to build a world, you're spending a lot of time on it. And if you're if you're somebody who uh, enjoys your own story, you're you're really focused on it. You're really doing a good job. You're doing your best work. And so when you're sitting there and you're portraying all your work and you're like, here it is, guys, I'm doing this so we can all have fun, and somebody's on their phone uh, on Facebook, it, it's a disrespect thing. And um, it's not like we're sitting there because we're like, we are, you know, we're, we're the almighty ones. You have to respect us when yeah. we don't care about respecting you. But there is this sense of, like, it's it's taking away from the game. It's taking away from being in the game. Um and technology, like you said, can be a good thing. You can look up uh, things. I've I, I always love playing wizard characters. I'm playing a wizard character right now. It's really difficult to play a wizard character without some kind of technology to look up spells yeah. and how they work. Um, so I ha- I even have like apps on my iPhone that are like spell apps and things, and they really help. Um, but there's a difference between going on your phone, going on your tablet, your computer, 
to help your player do things than, oh, I've got some downtime, let me do something else. Because when you're doing something else, it's hard to go, oh, I need to stop this right now and be focused on the story. And some of our players already have focus issues that Mm -hmm. they don't need a screen helping them get off track. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the the one low light that I had um, from that first night. I think as a as a DM and it not being too far into my campaign already, like, and, and I know you do this every time when we start, um, as you, you remind everybody like, Hey, I put a lot of time into this. Um, and I want you guys to be fully engaged in the story. And it's like, we have a story that we want to tell. Like we have this point that we want to get across. Like we've spent so much time on this. It's like really just delve into what we've prepared for you guys to take part in, you know? And, and, and I think, um, as a DM, setting that precedence early is really, really important um, because everybody struggles with it. Like I've talked, you know, with like some of the people here and they're like, yeah, I can be distracting at times, like without somebody else sitting next to me at a table. And I would imagine um, for those of you that are listening as DMs, like you have the same problem too. And I don't know what you're going to have to come up with um, as a way to counteract phones. Like I, I, I have no idea what that could be for you. Um, but really make that a precedence early on because it, it, it takes away from the story um, when people are on their phones not paying attention, you know, and so. I think it's a difficult balance, too, because as a as a DM, you want to, you need that respect. That's, that's some, and that's something that I always appreciate in players when, they, when they're the ones that says, hey, respect the DM. It's a, and I think someone who sits in the DM seat gets that great, like, knowledge of the other side like Mm -hmm. I know for me as a player I know how difficult it can be to be in that seat so I always want to make sure that somebody's always paying attention everybody's focusing um and side side conversation is going to happen um there and that's the difficult balance you want to be you want to have that respect but you also don't want to be that dm who's just smashing his fist on the table demanding that respect respect will be given to you if you do it well. And so that the, with the cell phones, with the focus, it's like having a rule for cell phones. Like our general rule is use it for D&D purposes only, and that specifically is when it's happening at the table. Not looking up what you think you're going to level up with next, because that's all done outside of game time. Not doing stuff on the side, like looking up monsters, because that's something that's annoying when somebody goes, oh, there's zombies. Everybody pull out your slashing yeah, weapons. Yeah, like, it's like, yeah. dude, like that's 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 player knowledge. Like yeah. your characters never come into contact with zombies yeah. before. How do you know that? But it's like it's like technology's great. Technology should be used if it's benefiting it. Um, and I think the point is we want us we want the, the the hard thing is you want a group that respects that. Um, you don't want to have to be enforcing it by kicking people out because. If you if you're too hard on your players, then nobody's ever going to play with yeah. you, and your story's never going to get told. Um, same thing with just regular focusing; like it's just it's not going to happen if you're you're always having to demand respect, either because um, you have issues of um, maybe maybe it's it's a issue on your fault or it's an issue on the player's fault. But I think it's it's hard when it comes down to people sometimes. Yeah, well, and I think too, um, going back to what you said about. Um, being on the DM side and then being in the player seat. Like I, I appreciated when you um, were here, I think you were um, sitting like directly across from me. So you had everybody kind of around you and like the half moon shape that we have around this table. Um, and I would notice like from time to time, like somebody would start talking and get louder and louder. And I'm trying to work on something on the left side of the table with two of the characters who went to the blacksmith or whatever it was. And there's a conversation going over here with a couple other players. And it's just like, I, I would I would look at them and then we would make eye contact and you'd be like all right guys come on like Chris is trying to tell a story here like this give him a little slap yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Dude. <laughs> yeah but it was like it, it was kind of nice and 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 like I did the same thing like when we were when we did your campaign it was kind of like okay I've been on this side of things I know like um, what it's like to have those frustrations of like people talking over you and like trying to get their point across on a side conversation it's like okay come on like what's happening over here could affect you later on. Like, you should pay attention to this, you know, and so... And um, even even the sense of, you know, there is that distinction between player and character knowledge, but, and maybe maybe it's easier for us, too, because we are very f- story-focused, whereas some players are not. Um, but for me, I've always found it 
really entertaining to watch other players doing their own things. Um, just as entertaining as it is for when I'm actually involved in it. That doesn't mean that I'm going to use that as uh, character knowledge later, but it's still entertaining to see their stories. And if we've, we've had players in the past that all they care about was their character. They didn't yeah. care about the story the DM was telling. They didn't care about the, um, the other characters in the group. And it doesn't work. Because what happens is that character just turns into a selfish character... He frustrates the group and just never works out. Mm-hmm. And so, like you, sh- like as players, as the DM, like everybody needs to be like focused on the group. And it's a hard thing because it's not you can't change the way people's brains work. But yeah, as a DM, it's something to keep in mind. Yeah. So one thing I've heard from a lot of people is um, I'd like to DM, but I don't know the rules enough. And so I've, I've heard that said a lot of times by a lot of people, and it's keeping people back from DMing. Um, what do you think about that? Are you, you just DM for your first time? Are you a rules expert? Is that something that um, you needed to like go and read all the books and know all these rules before you DM'd? Or what, what is your mentality on that? Uh, so I, I started reading through the Dungeon Master's Manual before I started playing, and... I gave up because I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is really interesting. I just don't have time to read 350 pages or whatever it is, you know, to get through all of the rules. And and even then, on top of that, there's no way that I'm going to study this like a, a college course or whatever, you know, in order just to have all of the rules right, be able to get 100% on the dungeon master exam or whatever. Like, there's no way uh, that I was going to do that. Um, I just didn't have the time to do it, and so. I think for me, the biggest, like, I was, I was scared of that the first time we started. Like, I remember, like, when you would sit on the other side of the table and I was a player, you'd be like, okay, roll a fortitude save. I was like, I don't know when all you're supposed to roll a fortitude save or a will <laughs> save. I was like, I don't know. Like, what checks are you supposed to use for certain things? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure. Um, but for me, like, I really wanted to give it a shot because I was like, I'm the type of guy that learns on the fly, like you throw me into something and I will learn how to do it, you know? And so, um, I think the biggest thing for me is that, that I did for the first one and even for the campaign that I I prepared for for later, um, was that I, I ran a whole bunch of scenarios in my head, um, of different things that could happen. Like I have the story, like I have the things that ideally I would want to have happen. And I read through some of the different rules that might come into play there. So I have those ones fairly, like fresh in my mind. I don't have them memorized by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I think the, the like what I experienced my first time is like things that I thought would happen didn't happen and you can never prepare enough. Um, and so you kind of just have to go with it on the fly and you can, you can make up a rule if you need to. I mean, obviously stick to it the rest of the time you go through like the campaign. Um, or even a lot of the players will know about the rules too. And so you guys can have, like, I know we have a, we have discussions about some rules sometimes. Like, do we want to play with this? Do we not want to play with this? You know, in order to help push the story forward. And so, um, like, I didn't have any really major times where I felt like I had to compromise a rule. Um, but it was something that, like, I thought about. And I was, I was super nervous about the first time. Like, I have to make sure, like, to have a good impression, to make sure they like me as a DM, like, but I have to have all these rules right. And I was just like, at the end of the day, it was just like, you don't. Like, you don't have to have it. You don't have to have all the rules memorized. You don't have to have everything perfect. Um, the people will will enjoy being a part of your campaign because you're with friends, right? Like, that's what they're going to come back for. Not because you got all of the rules right from the 3.5 Dungeon Master Manual. Like, yeah, I, there's not any, like, I, it really doesn't, it's not going to be a make or break thing if you get all of the rules 100% right. And if you're that guy who does go and read all the books and knows all the rules and then starts DMing, more power to you. That's awesome. Um, I think the point that we want to make is don't let the rules scare you into not dungeon mastering. If you've got a story you want to tell, if you want to sit on that side of the table because you think you have... Um, something fun to bring to the table and uh, make a good time for your friends. Uh, don't let the rules scare you into thinking, I can't do this. Um, you are, and this is something that really every person playing DM needs to realize, you are the DM 
what you say goes, um, and the players need to respect that. Um, the other end of that is you need to respect the players, and you need to make every decision, and it's very difficult, but you need to make every decision you make as the DM focused on, is this going to be fun for the players? And so, you know, like you said, Chris, we, we have discussions at the table um, sometimes about rules. Something will come up and be like, well, what exactly is the true grapple rule? That's something that yeah. we've discussed a lot lately. Like, we've got it, and we've got it down pretty much pat now, but um, grapple was something that we did very differently uh, for a long time, and we've uh, we've brought it up at the table. And one thing that I think is very important for a DM is to realize when the discussion is going too long. Yeah. Uh, you're there to play. You're there to continue the story. You're there to kill creatures um, that are doing uh, you harm or peasants harm in the their farms. Uh, you're not there to discuss rules then. Um, something that's really good to do is if the discussion's getting way too long, say, all right, pause. Here's what we're going to do. And you as the DM need to rule, this is how we're going to play right now. I know this might not be the real way to play, but we need to move on. Here's the rule right now. And next time we get together, we'll get together a little early, and we're going to discuss this rule and make sure that we know how it works, or we're going to make sure that we house rule something that we're all, the majority of us, are happy with. Um, And to be perfectly honest... You know, once again, we we play 3.5. 3.5, one of the things that everybody hates about 3.5 is that it's got so many rules. That's one of the things I think that our group loves about it um, mm-hmm. because there's it, it in a way, it makes things simpler when you, there's a rule for something instead of being like, uh, we have to come up with something for this. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, one of the things that I always point out the the very first chapter of the Dungeon Master's Guide tells you that if a rule is not fun for you as a group, then change it. Yeah. Or don't use it. Yeah. Um, the Dungeon Master's Guide tells you that. Um, you don't have to use a rule if you don't think it's fun. We have never played with weight. We just started in my new campaign mm-hmm. playing with weight. And we're having a good time with I, it. I but, love that, yeah, actually. But it is not something that I would encourage you, uh, anybody who's first time DMing, to get bogged down with weight. Yeah. To get bogged down with fatigue. If you're first time DMing, don't go, I need to know the weather section of the Dungeon Master's Guide. Rules are great. Um, but rules can also really just put a damper on things if it's slowing down the game, if... It's just constantly arguing about the right way to do a rule. Don't let the rules scare you, and don't let the rules rule the game. Let the story rule the game. Yeah. All right, so I think the next thing that we want to talk about um, and something that we really enjoy is, the, is, is story, and we've, we've said that multiple times throughout this podcast already. Um, but we enjoy story, and so we want to talk a little bit about that and how we come up with stories. Um, and how we come up with worlds, and, you know, do we do it big to little, little to big, you know, all these various different aspects of a story, you know, do we come up with NPCs at specific times, you know, do we have them created beforehand, do we not have them created beforehand, um, so yeah, we'll just, we'll start off with a story, and I, I think, um, for me, the way I came up with a story that I had, um, because I, I, I realized, like, sitting here, be playing as a character is a ton of fun. Like, I love it. I love creating my character story, like, going into depth about where my guy's been, like, going on all these different adventures. And uh, one thing that I really wanted to try my hand at was was creating a story. And so what I did um, originally is I, I went to the store and I bought a journal that's, or not a journal, a notebook that's specifically a for a diary. Yeah, no. My <laughs> Dungeon DM- Master Diary. Dungeon Master Diary. DMD. There we go. We can pat, patent those and there stuff. Them. There we go. Trademark. Trademark. By the time that you check out this podcast, it's trademark. Yep. Don't even try. Yeah, don't even try. Yep. Dungeon Master Diaries. Uh, no, so um, I think one thing that I, I did was I went and got a, a, a notebook and I started just writing different things down as far as like um, different names. Of, like the first place that I came up with, the, the campaign that I'm doing is called Campaign River Ann. And I just wrote down Riveran. I was like, that sounds like a sweet name for a city. Um, and I just wrote about it. I was like, okay, what's in the city of Riveran? So I started, 
just creating this city, like this little teeny tiny city. Uh, and I was like, okay, what could happen in this city that's going to cause some sort of strife within these characters' lives? Um, and so I came up with some sort of conflict. Um, and so it started um, out really, really small with this just this name of a city. And then it was like, okay, what could happen in this city? What conflict could happen? Um, and then from there I came up with, um, okay, who could they meet in the city? You know, various different things. And so um, I think for me that's how I, I started finding my story. And I, I had a whole bunch of different lists of cities, like names on this piece of paper, um, which I actually incorporated into... But Riveran was the one that I wanted to start out at. It was really, really cool that I that stuck out to me. Um, and so, like, with the five families things, I was like, how many people are going to be playing in the campaign? And I was like, okay, there's, you know, four of us, and then and then my brother. I asked my brother to play. And so I was like, there's five. So i got to come up with some way to incorporate these five in the same city at the same time for the same purpose, you know. And so I came up with a story and some sort of conflict for all five of these people in the same city. And so I think... Um, that was that was how I got started. Was just simply ha- realizing like I can do this. I want to do this. I have no idea where I'm going to start. And I just sat down with a piece of paper and just started writing out names of cities. And that's how I came up with with where we're at now. You know. So, what about you, Mitch? I think for me, um, I've been DMing for about I would say going on three years now. Um, and while that might not seem that long. When you consider that we used to play every single weekend for about 12 to 15 hours on a ridiculous. Saturday. I actually quit playing for a while because it was so long. <laughs> you didn't have enough time. But the majority <laughs> of us played and loved that. And now, you know, we're all, we're all grown up. We're graduated. We have, our own, we have real jobs. We uh, cannot play that much anymore. But, you know, when you consider that, it's just like, yeah, I've been DMing for quite a, quite a while now. Um, I am by no means a rule expert either, but um, I think that for me, the way that I'm able to come up with stories has changed uh, like greatly since I first started. Um, there's, uh, there's uh, really when it comes down to it, like um, when I first start off with what now when I come up with what is my campaign going to look like, what is my new story going to look like. Um, I have had so much time DMing that I've literally created my entire world. I've created this whole world called Atos. Um, I've created um, all of these uh, these countries in Atos. I could tell you just from somebody naming them, what's like this place like? What's this place like? I tell you exactly how it's like, the people, the government, uh, the landscape, all this stuff. Just because I've spent so much time creating it, it's all, a lot of it's in my head. I have gigabytes of information on the computer and pictures to go along with it. And so nowadays, when I go, how's my story going to be, um, I pick a place to begin with. And I go, all right, we're going to go here, and it's going to be starting in this town. Um, for example, for my new campaign, I picked a place, and um, the last campaign I did was very, very story-orientated, like linear flow. Um, you get go from this point to this point to this point to this point. Ways your characters got to this point to this point were um, pretty much, um, in some senses, up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to role play through it, but it was very linear. Um, in this campaign that we're starting, uh, the story is going to be very different because it's very much going to be molded in uh, more of a Skyrim type way, a f- uh, free world sense where you get to go to certain towns and I've got all these towns set up and so it's almost will, like a little bit more of a sandbox feel. Yeah, sandbox. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. And so you guys will be able to pick towns you get to go to and stories will come out of that. Um, and that's a much that's a very improv style kind of uh, dungeon mastering and that's something that I would not recommend for the first time dungeon mastering. Yeah. Um, I would say come up with a come up with a linear story but for me, um, when it comes to creating a story, I've already I already have this whole entire world built around um, the stories that I create. I already have. I have a. I'm telling you, man. I've I've gone into this. I have a whole history lined oh, up. I know. I've, I've um, heard. Nobody really knows what the history is except for the parts they played because, mm-hmm. of course, you can't give away your world's history. You yeah. know, you can't let people know about it. You can give um, them little nuggets every once in a while. You can give them little but... nuggets, but when you play, when you go back and you play a. Uh, 
a campaign at a certain time period where there's a war, you don't want to let them know who wins, especially because a lot of what I do with my world is based on what characters do. So um, if I, we have a civil war between two countries and your characters have the, uh, the option to choose this side or this side, well, the side that you win or the side that you pick very well could be the winners of that war. And so it totally changes uh, the outcome of the history. As an example... In the last campaign we did, the Sons of Bastion campaign, um, you guys went to a country uh, called Isinmar, yep. uh, desert, um, very harsh land, um, and choices that you guys made um, to ally yourself with certain races had to be done in order to um, protect the land from an invading force. Uh, some of the one of the races that you guys chose to ally yourself with. Um, was the Efreets. Oh, yeah. And so yeah. you guys allied yourself with them. You made deals because you they were strong and they would help you. Um, but because of the choices that you guys made, the Efreets now, going on, going on in history, now they control uh, the financial um, market of the entire country. They are the masters of trade. Um, and so that choice that you guys made affected the story, affected the history of my world, and that's something that I really like, because it gets your players involved, it gets them interested, um, and so when I come up with stories, I already have this world to make. Now you just came in, you were DMing for the first time, mm -hmm. you didn't have a world no. to go for, so what did you, did you create an entire world? Because I know I spent countless hours making the world, do you need yeah. to make a whole entire world to start off your campaign? No, I, so I created Mulgaria, which is a province within, I have a name for the whole world, which is Panthea. I have this whole, and, you know, I have a province within this whole world. Um, but when I first started out, I didn't. I just had Riveran and the Mulgaria, Mulgaria area. Like, that was, that was it. Just the Mulgaria that, area. Mulgaria area, nice. yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was all I had for the first, uh, for the first campaign. I think I... No, I think I did it a little bit before. I think I had more of it created a little bit beforehand. But, you know, the month leading up to when I started the campaign, like, I basically just had Riveran and Mulgaria and the cities within Mulgaria. Like, that was it, one province. And now I think I have, just because I totally geeked out for a while, and I think I created, like, 20 or so different provinces now within Pantheia. So I have this whole world created. I have no history with it all. I just have this area created. But I started out really, really small because... I was like, if if I start out with something huge, I'm going to burn myself out trying to create from the back, like where we're at in current history to where I have to whittle everything down to get back to where we're at now. Like that would be awful to do, and I would not recommend that to anybody starting out. I like I have loved starting out with the little stuff and letting them shape some of the things that will happen within the land that I've created. Um, because I don't have a lot of stuff created for it yet, you know? So it'll be interesting, like, you guys met one guy, Dale, um, at the very end of our yep. first campaign. Came Dale. right up, sliced the last bad guy's throat yeah, for cobalt, us. Yeah, Which some of the players were like, I wanted that Yeah, kill. I wanted that It's kill. like, dude, the bad guy's <laughs> dead, calm down. Yeah, I was like, this guy's going to kill him. And I was like, <laughs> I, I forget what was going to happen, but like, I think one of our guys, it was like his turn or something like that. I was like, he's going to kill him. He's got like two health left. I was like, nope, Dale comes in. Like, he's just going to kill go. him, you know? Story over rules. <laughs> yeah, story. yeah. Story yeah. over And, and now I think, I think that was him. He's like, come on, I was about to kill that guy. I was like, sorry. Sorry, man. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so like he's from he's from a, a land called Aldshore, which is north of where you guys are. So I have that place created now and a little bit of history about that. So it's kind of like I started out where everybody would start out. I created a little bit of history about that area. Now we're going to be visiting a different place. Now I'm going to create this place. So I may not even have histories created for different places until we visit them for the first time, you know. And so um, you guys might visit there. Like I said, that's totally up to you guys whether you want to visit there or not. But... Um, but yeah, so you'll, you, he's from this land called Aldshore, and like, he has a story to tell, which you guys will find out, um, later on, um, when he, when he shares it with you, but, you know, so, I kind of did it like, okay, I have an NPC now, he's from a different land, if they ever want to come and visit that land, I should probably have something prepared for that land, you know, like, 
And so that's where I started creating the land of Elbshore, which is which is north of where we are, because we're at the very southern part of, of, of the land right now of Panthea. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I kind of created it. It was like, okay, we're here. Somebody comes from here. Okay, we probably should have something for that, you know. And, and eventually I'll get ahead of the curve. Um, right now I'm extremely busy with life and stuff going on, but um, eventually I'll get ahead of the curve and start to create uh, just a broader world in and of itself. But And so this... Uh you know, to put a name to this, uh, building a world, building a story thing that we're talking about, there's really two ways that you can really build a world. And and before I, we even talk about that, um, if it's your first time DMing and you don't want to build a world, well, that's awesome because uh, Dungeons & Dragons has already gotten so many different worlds that you could use. Um, they've got um, books about them. Uh, Forgotten Realms is amazing. That's my yeah. favorite Dungeons and Dragons world. Um, I use it um, as inspiration for a lot of the things that I do with my world. Uh, but you can uh, use a pre-made setting. For that case, you can use a pre-made campaign. Um, however, uh, we're not going to talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, pre-made campaigns no. here, so don't look for us to talk about pre-made. Oh, we campaigns. might. It won't be our main focus. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> maybe maybe Mitch won't talk. Maybe about I it. won't. I probably won't. <laughs> But anyway, um, when you're creating a, a world and a story, there's really two ways that you can do stuff. And what Chris was just talking about is this idea of from small to big. He's created, he knows what he's going to do for the session that we're on and maybe a session after that. He's got the small picture done um, and then he's working in his free time to create the big picture, the places around it. Um, the the governments around it, all this kind of stuff around it. Um, and once again, improv comes into play here when you're playing because things yeah. are going to be asked at the table that you're not prepared for. It's always going to happen that way. Um, but this idea of small to big, you create the story, you create the storyline, and then you build the world around it. The other way is big to small in which you uh, create your big world, the entire world, the entire country, and then you create the story around that. Um, now, there's pros and cons to both of these. Um, currently, I'm doing my campaigning from big to small. And the reason I'm doing that is because I already have the big picture. Um, of course, I don't have every nook and cranny of my world made. Nobody has time for that. Yeah. But I do have the world created. I can go from big to small and I don't need to spend hours and hours doing the big because I've already got it. Um, in my personal opinion, big to small is awful if you don't already have the big made. Um, I've, I've seen um, my some of my friends DM and do campaigns before, and they've completely fallen apart because they've worked on the big idea. They've worked on the entire um, society of the world they're living in, the areas of every district of a land, um, they've created the entire world, and then it comes down to, hey, are we playing this Sunday, this Thursday, um, this whatever, and their answer is, oh, I'm not ready with the next session yet. Well, yeah. here's, here is something that I want to say about the whole big to small, because I have created a world already, I know how much fun it can be to create a world, and so I don't want to discourage that, but there's something I want to point out about that. If nobody can ever play in your world because you don't have the small created, then nobody's going to ever care about the big. If we can't play in your world because you're not ready for us to play in one town or do one session ever because you're working on the big too much and you can't focus on the small, it doesn't matter. You might as well just give up DMing because nobody's ever going to care about your big picture if they can't see the small picture and see the big picture through that. Yeah. I think if you do have the big created already, like you said with the with the one we're in now, like you spent a lot of time creating the land um, of Shemesh, right? Is what, is what Shemesh called. is the country yeah. we're in now. Yeah, the world is Atos. Yep. Yeah, 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 the, the country that we're in now. Um, but you spent a lot of time getting that ready for us for this time. Yep. Um, because it's more of a sandbox feel, like you're able to do that. You know the history of the time that we're in at Shemesh, but that's come over years and years of preparing for that, you know. And so, yes, years. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I, I hope to be someday with Panthea, you know, like I, I hope to be there. Um, but for now, like I think the easiest way to start out and what will 
create a lot of fun and consistency with the players in your group is going to be to start for me personally it's been to start small to big like if I would have if I would have started out trying to get the whole big thing I, I think I told you we sat down and I was like I want to DM you're like sweet and I was like what do you know you know talk to me about mm-hmm. this um, and it was like a month later that I had the first session and I spent probably like the next three weeks like getting stuff ready reading stuff about you know how to DM and do this and do that and stuff um, and creating the first session because I was like, I want people to be hooked from the beginning. I don't want to have this big thing and kind of do a wimpy first session where people are like, yeah, that was kind of fun. You know, like I wanted them to come out of the night and be like, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Like that was cool. Like a lot of cool things happened with that. And I think that did happen oh, um, after totally the first did. time. It was a great but, time. Yeah. But I think uh, for me and for anybody starting out the first time, I would definitely recommend doing the, the little to big. I mean, if you want to do big to little or big to small, Go for it. Yeah, try more power it. to more you. Power to you. Um, if you if you are listening to this podcast and you're like, yeah, forget you guys. I'm gonna read the Dungeon Master's book. I'm gonna go big to small. Hey, buddy, if it works for you, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Hope you still keep listening. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so dude. you can disagree with dude. everything we say. Yeah, yeah. Please <laughs> throw bricks at your phone while yeah, you're listening. There to you this. go. Yeah, but, yeah. I don't know. I, I I'm a huge fan of the little to big right now. I think yeah. that's helped me out um, significantly in the first month of DMing. I think it's safe to say that both of us would strongly, strongly recommend if this is your first time DMing, your second time, whatever. Focus on the small. And let the small lead the way to the big. Mm-hmm. Now that's not to say that there are big, there are big parts of the um, picture that need to be established that should be established. If you're in a certain country, you should probably know um, what the name of the king is, yeah, um, because yeah. that comes up in the small picture. Mm-hmm. Um, you should probably know if the country is run by an evil king um, or a public. Um, if that if if there's an evil king ruling the land in which slavery is legal, in which um, there are anti-paladins walking around everywhere enforcing their laws, that should be apparent from the beginning of the game. From the small picture, that should already be coming into play. Um, but you don't need to create um, every single forest. You don't need to create every single um, creature that's in the land, every single NPC. That's going to make you go insane um, and that's going to make your players not care because you're probably not going to have the time to focus on the small. And when you come to the table and you've got a big picture set, but you don't have the little picture set, it's going to become very, very apparent that you aren't prepared. So focus on the small, that's our advice, and let the small lead to the big. So that about wraps us up for our first episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. Um, from the both of us here, we want to say thank you for listening to our first ever uh, podcast. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll be coming back for more. Um, but with that in, that in mind, we want to remind you that you are the most important person in the game. You're the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of every other person at the table. Good night, Cleveland. Thank you, guys. Good night. <laughs> Good night.